Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of John. The Gospel Record of John in John chapter 20. The Gospel Record of John in John chapter 20. We are in a Sunday school series of dealing with under the furtherance of the gospel. And we know that if we truly want the gospel to go forth with much power, with uh, much reception, then there has to be a three-pronged approach. And that the first of all, that we must have truth. That without truth, the people perish. The people need to have truth. They need to understand truth. We know... We also understand that in addition to truth, that there has to be influence. We have to be able to be friends with folks to influence them, for them to have any reason to care about what we say. We have to learn how to be friendly to folks, have to be able to know how to gain influence. But now we're coming to this last section dealing with the Great Commission, that if we're going to reach the world, we have to follow God's plan and how to do this. And in order to start off, we have to start with the Lord. It all begins with God. It all ends with God. God is the goal. And we find our way to the gospel record of John chapter number 20. The gospel record of John chapter number 20. And notice this as we read in the gospel record of John chapter 20. Notice with me verse number 24. The Gospel record of John, chapter 20, starting at verse 24. The Bible says this, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Dynamis, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he has said unto them, Except I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. And if you would notice the phrase that we find in John chapter 20 and verse 31, notice that it says that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And with the Lord's help, we're going to hit a Sunday school lesson here dealing with the idea that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We come to know the true God in the person of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how we know God by knowing Christ. 
Christ went to Calvary. He bled and died for our sins. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And he rose again to live forevermore. Jesus Christ is alive today. But he is God. Remember that the resurrection of Jesus Christ proved two things. It proved that Jesus was indeed God. And that God was satisfied with the payment that was made. And one of the important things here is that Jesus is God. Some people like to say that Jesus never claimed to be God. That the Bible never claimed that Jesus was God. Well, they have not read the Bible. Because the Bible clearly states it. In fact, verse 31, this is pretty clear. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing you might have life. Through his name. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He is God. Of course this passage deals uh, right after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That the disciples were in the upper room together. They were meeting together. But Thomas wasn't there. Isn't that always the way? The church meeting that you don't show up to is the thing when the most things happen. When you miss church, you miss it. So they had assembled themselves together. Thomas wasn't there. Jesus Christ showed up. The Bible says in a different passage that Jesus actually ate with the disciples. And so there was evidence. You could see the fish and say, look, there's teeth marks. He ate with us. He was there. He was really here. It wasn't an imagination. It wasn't a mass hallucination. He was here. Well, they tried to convince Thomas, Thomas, you missed it. You missed it that Jesus was here. And Thomas says, I don't want to believe. Nope, nope. Unless I actually touch him, I'm not going to believe that he's risen again. Now, unfortunately, this was kind of the mood between all of the disciples that it was partly because they weren't paying attention to Jesus. All throughout Jesus' reign, he says, guess what, boys? I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to, be di- I'm going to get killed, and I'm going to raise again. And yet they're arguing about who's the greatest and fighting among themselves. But Jesus told them over and over. They should have known. Even after they heard the news that Jesus had rose again, they were having a hard time believing it. So it wasn't just Thomas. It was all of them. But it's hard to argue when you see them for yourself which Thomas had missed out on. And so Thomas says, no, 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 I got to wait until I see him and I actually touch him for myself. Well, eight days later, they're meeting together and Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, he personally looks for Thomas. says, Thomas, touch my hand. Take your hand and put it in my side. Go ahead and get rid of your doubts. I want you to know for sure that I'm real. Notice Thomas's response in verse 28. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord, and notice the next one, and my God. You know what Thomas just said? Jesus Christ is God. Thomas is worshiping God. And by the way, Jesus didn't beg him off. He didn't say, no, 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 don't do do that. Jesus accepted that. He acknowledged that he was God and accepted his worship. In fact, notice verse 29. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. By the way, believed what? Believe that Jesus is God. Believe that he's risen again. Believe that Jesus was everything that he said he was. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of the disciples which were not written in the book. The Bible gives a different passage here that if everything that Jesus did was recorded, we wouldn't have enough books to contain it. 
So then why do we have what is written? Out of all the things that Jesus did, why aren't they written? Well, notice verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. God specifically chose the things that are written in the Bible, especially in the gospel records, for the purpose of you believing that Jesus is God. And because he's God, you could believe in his name. These things were written for you to believe that Jesus is God. Now, this is a big deal because Jesus is God. Notice, if you don't mind, in the gospel record of Matthew chapter 24, we're going to turn to several passages today because I want you to see them for yourself. The question that we all have to ask ourselves is found in the gospel record of Matthew chapter 42. The question that every person has to deal with. Notice with me in the gospel record of Matthew chapter 22. The gospel record of Matthew chapter 22. Notice in verse 42, as Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees, in fact, notice with me verse 41, Matthew 22, verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Follow-up question, whose son is he? That's a good question. What do you think of Christ? What do you think of Christ? That is the question that every person must ask themselves. Notice as Jesus goes on, uh, verse number 42, What do you think of Christ? Whose son is he? And they said unto him, The son of David. So he's going, All right, you guys know the Bible. According to the Bible, whose son is the Christ, the Messiah? Well, they said David. He's supposed to be of the son of David, the lineage of David. Verse 42, saying, uh, verse 43, he saith unto them, how then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou into my right hand till I make thee thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? Now we can know why David can call his lineage, his descendant, a uh, Lord, because Jesus Christ is God. He is higher than King David. He is higher than the parentage. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Of course, notice verse 47 or 46, the response. And no man was able to answer him a word. Neither dost any man ask uh, from this day forth, ask him any more questions. Meaning like, all right, we're done asking him questions. We're done. We don't know how to answer him anymore. But Jesus was trying to get them to the place where they acknowledge that Jesus was greater than David. Jesus is God. But the question that he asked them is what every person has to ask themselves. What do you think of Christ? Now, this is a big deal. Because if people don't think much of Christ, then they're not going to respond to Christ. You know, that's whether saved or lost. Do you know why saved people don't behave right? Because they don't think of Christ as God. They don't acknowledge him as that he's the one I'm going to answer to. They don't acknowledge that he's the one who created me and he put a purpose for me. But he is. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every lost person has to ask that question. Who is Christ? Because you're going to have to respond to him. You're going to have to react to him. Who is Christ? Notice with me in the gospel record of Matthew chapter 16. 
The gospel record of Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked the same question to the disciples. Who do, you, who do men say that I am? Well, they started to say, well, some say you're Jeremiah. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. Jesus turned around and said, who do you say that I am? So he was leading them. What do we think of Christ? Who is Christ? Well, people say this and people say this. But what do you think of Christ? Notice Peter's answer in Matthew 16 and verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, that's the right answer. You acknowledge that I am God. Jesus acknowledged and taught that he was God even to the disciples. Now that's introduction. Let's see some things about what the Bible says about Jesus being God. Now this is important. This isn't something that we overlay. This is something that is the foundation of everything. Jesus is God. The first thing I'd like to bring to your attention with this concerning the scriptures is that the Lord accepted what the Old Testament said about him. The Lord accepted what the Old Testament said about him. With that, let's jump to a New Testament passage to prove this. Notice with me in the Gospel record of Luke, chapter number 24. The Gospel record of Luke, chapter 24. So if you're in Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 24. Once again, Luke 24 is dealing with a resurrection. That Jesus Christ had, was died, was buried, and rose again. And this time he rose again and he was following a couple guys walking to, on the road to this town of Aramaeus. And as he's walking beside them, he's noticed that their countenance, they're sad and they're just kicking rocks and just pitiful. And Jesus comes up behind him and they don't recognize Jesus. And he says, what's the matter, guys? Haven't you heard these things that have been going on? Have you lived in a rock? We followed a guy by the name of Jesus and we loved him so much. And then... He died, but he said he was going to rise again. We don't know what to think about that. We even heard some ladies come back from the tomb and they told the disciples that, that Jesus has risen from the dead. But, oh, we don't know what to think about it. Now, do you think that you should be happy to hear the news that Jesus rose again? But they're having a pity. For, we just don't know what to do. So Jesus does something. He comes up beside them. And uh, notice with me in um, verse number 25. Then he said unto them, the two men at the road of Arabaeus, O fools and slow of heart to believe that all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter in his glory? Then notice verse 27, one of my favorite verses in all of the word of God. At, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he took the Bible and started from the beginning and began to walk through the Bible all the things that the Bible said about him, Jesus. Do you know that the Bible in the Old Testament says quite a bit about Jesus? And Jesus said, that's me, that's me. May I show you a couple? Let's look back in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 9. Now earlier in Isaiah... It talked about that Jesus Christ was to be born of a virgin. And Jesus Christ was. Jesus accepted that. That was true. That was a prophecy given to him. But notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse uh, Isaiah chapter 9. 
And notice with me verse 6. What we're doing is we're showing that the Old Testament said that Jesus Christ was God. Let's prove it. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 is often used as a Christmas verse. Meaning that it's used to talk about the birth of Christ. Notice with me in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a child is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. That's dealing with a millennial kingdom. And his name shall be called Wonderful. I love that name of God. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. Jesus my Lord. What else? His name shall be wonderful. Counselor. Oh, he's someone we could go and get wisdom. But notice this. Here is a verse, a name that is given to Christ. The mighty God. Do you know that the Old Testament called Christ? This child that was given. It said it was the mighty God. Notice the next name, the everlasting father. Jesus Christ is God and the Old Testament claimed it and Jesus Christ taught it. These things are true. The prince of peace. Again, that's a title we usually give to Jesus. But in this passage, it calls Jesus God and the Old Testament. There's many passages that does that, but we just wanted to highlight this really quick. We know that not only did the Lord accept what the Old Testament said about him, that the Old Testament says that he is God. Let's look at some things in the New Testament. Jesus Christ affirmed the New Testament that he is God. Notice with me in the Gospel record of John. I told you we were going to look at several passages. But this is important because we want to show you that it's not a fluke. That it's not just one verse that says Jesus Christ is God and try to explain it away. But in fact, it says that Jesus Christ is God throughout the scriptures. Now, this is important because people don't need a plan of salvation. They need a person of salvation. Amen. They need to know Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ is God. We don't believe in multiple gods. We believe in one God and the persons of that same God are evident in the person of the Holy Father, person of the Son, person of the Holy Spirit. Those are one God and different aspects of the same God. Notice with me in the gospel record of John chapter number 5. Now, <laughs> earlier in John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he says, By the way, Nicodemus, the same time I'm talking to you right here, I'm also currently in heaven. Present tense. You know, sometimes we make a mistake saying, and we know what we're trying to do, that Jesus left heaven. Do you know that Jesus never left heaven? The same time as he was walking on earth in body, he was still in heaven. He never set aside his, his omnipresence. He was still everywhere at once. He just also happened to be robed in flesh, dwelling with people. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? You said, how do you explain that? Can't. We just have to accept it. God's an amazing God. Notice as Jesus is dealing with these folks here. Notice in John chapter 15. And notice with me starting at verse 7. But Jesus, or 17, John chapter 5, verse 17. I had those reversed. John chapter 5, verse number 17. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh here too, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because not only had he broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, 
making him equal with God. Let me pause here. So many times, especially in the gospel record of John, you would watch the Jewish people grab rocks. And as they're getting rocks and getting ready to throw them, Jesus said, time out. All right. Before you guys start throwing things, why are you going to kill me? Because you just claim to be God. Okay, cool. Just making sure you heard me. All right, time back in. <laughs> over and over, they would pick up rocks and get ready to stone him because he claimed to be God. So you can't say that the Bible doesn't say that Jesus claimed to be God. If we look, it's the reason they tried to kill him. He claimed to be God here. And he claimed to be God here. So in the midst of this, he claimed to be God. He decided to continue on. All right. Since you guys know that I claim to be God, let me give you some more. Verse number 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son could do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For the th what things soever he doeth, that means God doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. What Jesus did here is he said, Jesus is equal to God in works. The same thing God does, I can do. Jesus claimed to be equal to God in works. Notice in verse 20. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that, he, that himself doeth. And he will show greater works than these that you may marvel. We see this, that <coughs> Jesus said he is equal to God in knowledge. The, the same thing that the Father knows, Jesus knows. Notice with me in verse number 21. For as the Father raiseth up the dead, and quicketh them, even so the Son quicketh, that word quicketh means make alive, whom he will. Here we can see that Jesus, just like God has power, Jesus is equal to God in power. I meant to raise someone from the dead, that requires a lot of power. More power than you and I have. And so Jesus is able to make alive. Just like God is. He claimed to be equal to God in works. Equal to God in knowledge. Equal to God in power. Let's go on. Verse number 22. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all things to the judgment unto the Son. Let me pause there. If you ever want to do a study, study that for yourself. Do you know that at the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be judged by Jesus and not God? Think about that. God says, no, I'm going to let you judge. Now, we know that they're the same aspect, but that's how much preeminence that God has placed to Jesus Christ. That's a whole different study, but something for you to dive in deep if you ever want to. Verse 23, to go along with that. And all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father. Here we can see that Jesus said he is equal with God in honor. Now, to the Jewish people, that's a big deal. For someone to get the same honor as God, that means they're God themselves. Now, we could find many other examples of this claim. Um, in the gospel record of John chapter 8, Jesus is talking to them about Abraham. Now, ah, let's turn there. Gospel record of John chapter 8. Gospel record of John chapter 8. Notice with me in verse 58. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Now again to the Hebrew mind, this is a big deal. Because this is the name that God gave himself when Moses asked, What's your name in Exodus chapter 3? And God says, I am that I am. Jesus said, I am. 
to the Hebrew person, they knew exactly what Jesus was saying. Then he backed it up when he said, hey, guess what? I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the vine. I am the great shepherd. I am. He continued to say, I am, I am. He was saying, guess what? I am this God in this. I am God in this. And God over and over. Notice with me in the gospel record of John in chapter 19. Now let's not turn there. But in John chapter 19 and verse 7, they had the false illegal trial of Jesus Christ. And you know what concluded the trial? Oh, we're all done. He just claimed to be gone. God, that's all we need. And that was enough for them to try to sentence him to death because he claimed to be God. Over and over, Jesus claimed to be God. But then we have one last thing here is that Jesus is who he said he is and we can know God. One last passage, John chapter 14. John chapter 14 is such an encouraging passage where it says, Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Well, in the midst of this, Thomas, we give Thomas a hard time about the first passage we read about doubting Thomas. But you know, Thomas here asked a legitimate question. How do we know where you go? That's a good question. You said that we're going to know how to find you. How do we know? Where are you at? How are we going to know this? Jesus follows this up in verse number six. Jesus saith unto him, I am, there's that I am again. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father, but by me. And if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. From henceforth, you should know and see him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you that ye hath not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest then, show us the Father? So, we know this, that when you get to know Jesus Christ, you also get to know God. This is how we can personally know God through a personal fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, this is important because we're setting a foundation that if we're going to tell the world, we have to have a message. What is the message? Jesus Christ is God. That's the message we have to tell people. People need to know that. And only people who know a personal Savior can tell people about a personal savior. This is important. We have to have this settled. Jesus Christ is God. And people need to know this God. Remember salvation is not a plan. It is a person. People don't need to follow these steps. And say a prayer. They need to know Jesus Christ personally. And it is our part. To personally introduce them to Jesus. So instead of saying. Alright follow these steps. Step one. Step two. Step three. What we are trying to do is say, hey, I want you to meet my friend. Here he is. And that's what we're trying to do is personally introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.